Welcome to the first episode of the Nightman Podcast. In this episode, Origins, featuring the origin of Johnny Domino, jazz saxophonist turned superhero from the pages of the Nightman, issue number one, and also featuring the origin of me, Ben Avery, the Ultraverse origin, that is, how I came to know and love the Ultraverse, and how it all started with one comic book. Freeform Improv in the Dark. The Nightman Podcast. Hi, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and welcome to the first, the best, and to my knowledge, the only uh, Nightman podcast on the web, which means it is safe for me to say first and best because only makes it pretty, well, it's slim competition when you're the only one. <laughs> so I hope I'm right when I say only, but um, actually I hope I'm not right. That'd be great if there's another one out there. Anyway, this is part of the uh, Ultraverse Network www.ultraversepodcast.com and this is uh, the second episode to go live on our Ultraverse Network feed the first episode being the Ultraverse Podcast prime of our life with uh, the Irredeemable Shag and David Gutierrez and together we're just we're, we're banding together to to pull this small community of people together who want to remember or rediscover or newly discover Malibu's Ultraverse, quite possibly the single best publishing run to come out of the comic book boom of the 90s. And it was something exciting and, if not unique, definitely, in my opinion, the best new uh, comic publishing line that wasn't a part of Marvel or DC. Uh, although, you know, strike that new universe, <laughs> Ultraverse defeats that hands down better than than uh than new universe but you get the idea this was some good stuff and some exciting stuff and a very creative and and fun uh universe to, to get in on let me introduce myself though uh, i've said that my name is ben avery i'm a comic book fan comic book writer comic book letterer comic book editor i i work professionally in comic books but then comic books are also my hobby and i do a podcast called the comic book time machine which is all about comic books and just exploring and reading comic books that are fun and interesting. I host that podcast with my friends Daniel Butcher and Matt Anderson. Daniel Butcher is also a co-host for another podcast I'm involved in called Welcome to Level 7 about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, welcome to level7.com. But on Comic Book Time Machine, we're reading things that we find interesting. We're reading things that we are enjoying. Uh, we want to do this because there's so much stuff that's new out there that isn't that engaging for us. And so we're going back and taking a look at comic books that are old, that we used to read, comic books that are old that we had never got around to reading, comic books that are new that are causing us to have interest and, and causing us to, to want to purchase and, and to follow titles and, and storylines and that kind of thing. But we do group episodes where we talk about larger, uh, broader topics. And we also have solo episodes where we talk about things that are you know basically in our wheelhouse there there are joy there are um in my case 
these are my grilled cheese sandwiches and popcorn, my two comfort foods. And I'm actually doing a podcast series within the, the confines of Comic Book Time Machine where I am exploring Star Wars month by month, but I'm reading the other Marvel licensed books that came out the same month. So I've read some pretty interesting books. I've read some pretty good books so far, and I've also read some pretty crazy, bizarre books. Jack Kirby, 2001. If you know what I'm talking about, I'd like to talk with you about it because it's it's just really interesting and bizarre. Over in Comic Book Time Machine, I covered that. I've also read some really bad stuff. I've actually read one of the worst comic books I've ever read in my entire life as part of that series. This show... We'll kind of go along the, the, that line. It's kind of close. It's very close in spirit to the comic book time machine. The mission statement of this show is basically this. I want to reread The Nightman. It's, this is basically an index show. I'm going to be reading The Nightman month by month, reading the books that he is starring in, called The Nightman, but also guest starring in. So when he does crossovers with freaks, with strangers, when he shows up in another book for like the Rafferty saga. I'll be talking about some of those other things as well, but I'm primarily focusing this show on the Nightman itself, that, that book. I probably will mention some other books. Uh, I am a big fan of Sludge. I'm just going to put it out there right now. Swamp Monsters. I have an irrational appreciation and love for Swamp Monster stories. And I don't know why. The reason I like Sludge more than other Swamp Monster stories is because of Steve Gerber. Steve Gerber is one of my writing heroes, and I'm going to talk about some of my comic book writing heroes later on, but Steve Gerber, he is right there. And so on that hand, yes, exploring month by month what was happening with the Nightman book, examining it, critiquing it, um, looking at themes, looking at the art, looking at the storyline, and, and just seeing how does this engage with me now? How did it engage with me when I read it? <clears throat> but the other thing I'm hoping to do is cause old fans to you know come along with me on that journey, but then also to hopefully bring new fans in and, and for new fans to take a look and say, oh, there is something to appreciate here, and hopefully maybe just maybe decide they want to pick it up too and and read along with us as we explore and and, and dive into the nightman so i'm approaching this show yes it's an index show and i didn't even know what that meant until i was telling someone about what i was doing with star wars and oh an index show well yeah it's a, <laughs> apparently this is an index show but i'm also kind of acting like um i was podcasting in 1993 when it was coming out, I'm trying to, you know, look at each issue and take them as they come. Yes, I do have memories of things that are coming. And so that will kind of color some of the things that I see. And, and that's actually a good thing. And you'll there's one big, big thing in this issue that this is a character. Actually, there's two characters that reverberate throughout the entire run of the Nightman. So I... Just basically going month by month, 21 years ago. So this first issue first came out October 1993. It's October 2014 right now. I'm looking at the issue 21 years ago this month. Next month I'll be looking at number two because it came out 21 years ago, November 1993. And so on and so on. 
So yes, 21 years ago. Now, this part right now, I'm going to be talking about my origin story, which is going to make this podcast a little bit longer than it normally will be when I'm just looking at uh, the issue at hand. But um, I'm going to give my Ultraverse origin right now. Uh, It's amazing to think that this comic book came out 21 years ago. This comic book line came out 21 years ago, started 21 years ago. Um, I was in college. I was a sophomore, and I went to a small little Midwestern Bible college. My best friends were artists and musicians, and um, I was also friends because it was a small college. I was a friend with some of the athletes and that kind of thing, but the ones I gravitated to were the ones who were the creatives. You know, we had our garage band. It didn't we didn't practice in a garage, but we had that just junky, loud um, garage band that we we wore flannel. We didn't sound like those other bands, you know, that were popular back then, but we wore flannel. We were, you know, loud. We were not very good, but we also made sure that our lyrics were funny, and so people wanted to listen to us. I had collected comics all throughout my life uh, since I was a little boy when I would just, you know, go to the five and dime with my mom and she'd pick up a comic for me. Sometimes she'd buy one when I wasn't even with her and she'd bring it home. And sometimes it was going to my grandparents' grocery store and using the the deposit money because f- f- my, my grandparents collected pop cans all year round. And then when we come visit them in the summer, they'd have these pop cans for us. We'd go turn them in one dime for each pop can for each pop bottle and my sister and I would split the money. And my money invariably went to either action figures or comic books. But I only bought comic books at grocery stores, convenience stores, spinner racks, and mall bookstores, you know, Walden books. Um, when I got into high school, I did do some mail order. And I also did subscribe to the Star Trek comic books because I didn't want to miss an issue of that. And when you're collecting comics based on what is there on the rack... At that time, it's 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 a crapshoot, man. I mean, you, you get there, and maybe they'll have the one that you're interested in. You know, I had a three-issue run of Star Wars that I was so proud of because it had part one and part two of one story and part three, or part one, rather, of a second story. So those three issues went together, and I was so amazed. And, and it was just, oh, wow, I actually have the end of a story or the beginning, and... I was just very lucky that that year I happened to go to three different places at three different times in those two or three months or whatever and found those issues. I had a, I had a nice run of five issues of G.I. Joe. So for Star Trek, I didn't want to miss any of them, I and so I subscribed. But those are how I got my comic books. I had never been to a comic book shop. I had never set foot in a comic book shop until I went to college. And one of those guys who was in the band with me, he was also an artist, I was a writer, he was an artist, and so we went to the comic shops and we would buy comics, you know, every couple of weeks we'd go in. So during that time, I discovered two things that could be called um, milestones, maybe, epochs, maybe, in my writing life. One of these things was, (laughs) it's something that's not going to come into any surprises, anyone who grew up and was into comic books, especially into the creative side of comic books in the 90s. And that's Sandman, okay? Specifically for me, the dream country, again, nothing special there. And I've I've read a half a dozen people who have said that dream country was one of those things that they picked up. It had a script in the back. I mean, that was, that was huge. You know, you pick it up, there's three or four issues. I think there's four issues. And there's a script for one of them in the back. And 
I got into Sandman because of this, and because of getting into Sandman, I was kind of looking at and seeing, oh, this is what the comic book medium can do outside of superheroes. Okay, let's let's face it. Most people, though, you ask them, hey, you're a comic book writer. Tell me, who are some of your most influential names that, that, that are people who inspired you and motivated you and, and influenced your writing? Their list is going to sound like this. Blah, 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 so-and-so, so-and-so, blah, 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 Neil Gaiman, so-and-so, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I'm no different. That's exactly what my list sounds like. You can interchange a lot of those other names, but Neil Gaiman, he's the one. He's there, and he it's just he is a giant, a modern-day giant because of what he did with Sandman and, and many of his other things. I'm, I'm digressing. I'm getting further and further away from from the Ultraverse. But, um, like I said, he opened my eyes to some of the storytelling possibilities. But he wasn't the first person to open my eyes and to really show me some of the storytelling possibilities. No, that honor, if you want to call it an honor, goes to someone else. Fall semester, sophomore year, my friend and I headed to the comic shop and we picked up some comics and some of the comic book magazines. I don't remember which one it was now that I picked up. I can't remember if it was Wizard or if it was Hero Illustrated or if it was something different, you know, because there were a number of them back then. But Wizard and Hero Illustrated are the two that I, I can remember reading. I just can't remember if that was which one it came from. And I've lost that magazine. It's long, long gone. But anyway, uh, I came across a, an article. And I don't know if this was a sidebar in a larger article or if it was toward the front where it was just all these little news, quick news items with like a picture in three paragraphs because it was that sidebar shape and it had a picture of the nightman and it had a small paragraph i see this thing and i see basically oh it's a batman ripoff it's a batman type character and there was a brief write-up about him and i believe it might have even mentioned the jazz aspect of things it may have even used the phrase of freeform improv in the dark um, I just have a, a memory of my friend laughing at the jazz aspect, but it might have been after he read the first issue when I got it. I'm I'm not sure. But that little three-paragraph thing about this character and how, how he's developing, he's a brand-new character, he's starting off, you know, issue one, he's starting off as, you know, doing his thing, and he's going to learn as he goes along because it's like jazz. And the picture, yes, it looked to me like it might have been some sort of Batman ripoff, I didn't care. It looked cool. And it was part of this new universe that had just started just a few months earlier. And so I was not just coming in on the ground floor of a new character. Like when I picked up Amazing Spider-Man Annual and was getting in on the ground floor of a new character like Speedball. Okay. I wasn't just getting in on that. I was getting in on a whole new universe. And this character was going to grow as the universe grew. So I was, my imagination was captured by that. And the next trip to the comic shop, I picked up Nightman number one. I'm not sure when I picked up The Strangers issues one through three, which also had appearances of Johnny Domino before he was Nightman. I'm not sure about that. That doesn't matter, honestly. And we'll talk about those issues in just a moment. But that first issue of Nightman, it hooked me. I was hooked. And that was honestly... For a long time, the only comic book, because this time I picked up only sporadic Star Trek comic books, okay? Um, This became the only comic book that I picked up every month. 
every month it was where, you know, Nightman and then check and see if he was in any of the other Ultraverse comic books that month. Was he in? Oh, he's in, um, you know, the, the hostile takeover crossover. I'm buying all of them. Okay. And so I know I ended up with strangers one through three because it was just collecting the Nightman. That's how it started. And that's how it remained. I did toward the end with the black September thing. Uh, I did trail off a little bit, but then I did just for completion's sake, I went ahead and, and found and, and picked up the, the other Nightman, uh, the mini series after, after black September, but it totally hooked me. And then eventually that led to me collecting the rest of the Ultraverse and, uh, I'll get to that again in a little bit, I think, but basically, I mean, it came down to, I had all the Nightman issues. Why not go beyond? I liked Nightman. Why not get all the strangers ones? Well, now that I've got all the strangers ones and all the Steve Englehart, Steve Gerber, he's another one of my heroes and sludge and he worked on exiles. And so it just became this thing where I ended up collecting the entire run of the Ultraverse, not every variant cover. You know, they say writers were their biggest gimmick or whatever, uh, or biggest enhancement, but they still did some of the holographic stuff and, and some of the, you know, alternate covers. And, and I didn't get into that. For me, it was just collect the story. And one of the things that I kind of like about the Ultraverse is the fact that I was able to collect an entire run of comics from the first issue of, you know, Prime and Hardcase and all that to Future Shock. Basically, you have a beginning of a story and an end of a story. And yes, it wasn't satisfying what they did with some of the Marvel stuff. And yes, Future Shock was just one issue and they had to wrap up an entire universe. But at the same time, it was something unique and is something unique. That And it's totally achievable. I have a friend who has a museum who has every single Marvel comic since 1960-something or other. That, to me, is not an achievable thing. But all of the Ultraverse, totally achievable and totally readable. So what is it that hooked me about the Nightman? And what is it that inspired my writing with the Nightman? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. First, I'm going to play a promo for another podcast. And after that, we'll talk about the issue at hand. And then we'll have another break. And we'll come back and talk about what else is going on in the Ultraverse this month. Briefly, very, very, very briefly, and, and actually talk about some of the other things that happened before this month since Nightman was not part of their original launch. And then we will uh, close this down with our, our you know listener feedback and, and that kind of thing. So um, I'll be right back with you in just a moment. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen. And I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterman Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.
as happens sometimes with superheroes, the first appearance of Nightman was not in his own book. He actually appeared in three places. Strangers number one, Strangers number two, and oh, let me Google what the other one was. Oh, yes, yeah, Strangers number three. Now, that's because his origin was tied into the Strangers origin. The Strangers being a group of people who banded together as a superhero group after their cable car, their trolley in San Francisco, was struck by this magic lightning bolt that was part of the jump start. And this cable car smashed into someone who was driving a Miata, and it was a man named Johnny Domino. A shard of metal from the crash entered his head, and that is what gave him his ultra powers. Now, the strangers themselves... There were, I think, 49 people on the trolley, and it was a small group of them that actually became crime fighters, but it became a plot thread throughout The Strangers and The Nightman as they were dealing with other people in San Francisco who were affected by this jumpstart. And it was a nice gimmick, uh, really, when it comes down to it. A great way to give a group of people powers to have some become villains, some become heroes, some become people who just want to, you know, just want to stay normal but have to deal with this. And out of it came two books, Strangers and The Nightman. You basically have an X-Men type book, an Avengers type book, a team book. Maybe maybe the Defenders or the Champions are closer to that. The Defenders being the non-team team and the Champions being a team of people that, that really don't belong together, but they end up together. And then you have the solo hero who's also running around the city doing good and helping. So in Strangers number one, you have Johnny Domino have the accident and this piece of metal enter his head. In Strangers number two, he's lying there in a coma and they're talking about how he's a jazz, jazz musician. And his father, Eddie, Eddie Domingo, comes and visits. And in Strangers number three, his father is still visiting. And at the very end of his sequence there, he opens his eyes and he, he wakes up. And you can actually see these three sections of the Strangers comics on our website at uh, alterversepodcast.com slash origin. Uh, that's Johnny Domino's origin right there. Uh, that's alterversepodcast.com slash origin. You can see I took those three sections, put them together. It's basically almost two pages worth of material. But it's in Strangers 1, 2, and 3, which is kind of to the detriment of this issue. I think this issue, it it really glosses over his origin as if to say, you already know it. You've seen it in the strangers. So you already know. And I don't really like that. When I collected the Nightman comic book series, I know I started with number one and I know I picked up strangers one, two, and three, because to me, those were issues A, B, and C of the Nightman. He appeared in there. So that was part of his series so to speak but that was when i was collecting only as a nightman collector and if i were to sit down and buy a lot of nightman comics on ebay it wouldn't be until i got a few issues in that i would actually see what happened to him and be given more details about the the whole situation and what had happened and so i kind of wish this this comic would have would have gone there a little bit more but those three issues of the strangers I'm not here to talk about The Strangers, and I like Steve Englehart. I like his writing. That issue number one of The Strangers starts out with a bang, literally, and then kind of breaks down a little bit, and, and I'm not real 
it doesn't excite me as much as as well as what we're about to <laughs> to talk about. But I'm not here to talk about strangers. I'm here to talk about Johnny Domino, and I'm here to talk about the Nightman. So let's start with the cover. The Nightman issue number one. The cover is wonderful. I love this cover. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't actually this cover image that they used in that sidebar. I think it's actually the picture that they have of Nightman in the early uh, letters column, uh, Nightlines. I think that that's the picture that they used in that sidebar, which was you know, a, a similar image to this, where you have him, he's crouched, ready for action, cape billowing in the wind. But this cover here, and the art here is by uh, Derek, Derek Robertson, and the uh, inks are by um, Mark Farmer, I believe. But um, he's he's the guy who I think is credited as co-creator of this character as far as the design goes. And uh, this issue, the artwork, the artwork in general is very, very good considering it's a, a 90s era comic. And I'm not a big fan of, of image type artwork i i'm not i'm honestly i'm not a big fan of, of 90s comic books in general even though that was when i was a heavy collector of comics that was kind of the second phase of my collecting career but yeah i just in general i i'm not a big fan of it but this here i am a, a huge fan of this now you have him he's up on a, the corner of a building this is a really big setup for what is the nightman and what's important with the nightman You've got the uh, the Transamerican Pyramid building in the background. Now, that's an important building for the Ultraverse. It's an important building because it's a San Francisco landmark, but it's also important because that's that's where J.D. Hunt uh, is has his offices stationed, and he's going to be a big figure in the, the Ultraverse, especially in this San Francisco corner of the Ultraverse. He's on the corner of this building. He's not on a gargoyle, but he's on the wall behind the gargoyle. The moon is behind him, kind of not quite framing him, uh, but almost. It's it's off to the side, uh, to one side of him. His cape is billowing off to the other side of him. His hair is blowing in the wind. His cape is flowing in the wind. He has a rope that's kind of, well, it's also blowing in the wind. He's on one knee. He's got one hand uh, on the ground right next to his knee, uh, he's leaning forward on his on his other leg, and he's he's relaxed but ready to pounce. You know, you get the impression that he is waiting to go into action. He's not ready. He hasn't seen his target. He's going to go after or anything like that. But he is he's waiting to go into action. He could be posing, but not quite, not quite. And you know the moon, the gargoyle, the building—they're great, but it's that central image of the Nightman that just—it's a striking cover, and it's a great superhero visual. And this cover is, in my opinion, one of, if not the best covers from the entire line of the Ultraverse. I am slightly biased simply because I'm a huge Nightman guy, you know, but I, I think it's—it's it's one of the better covers in, in the entire line. Now, the splash page, page one of this issue, is not the guy on the cover. Not quite, anyway. Now, it is the guy from the cover. They're both Johnny Domino. But this splash page has a guy leaping into action, and it is not the man you saw on the cover. If they had put him in that costume, it could literally have been, you know, two you know, panels in a sequence. One, he's ready, and the next, he's leaping. 
but no, you you take this cover and and it's interesting because when you open it up, the the uh, positioning of the characters on the page is very very close to each other and in fact you even see kind of that that tall spire thing or whatever of the trans-american pyramid uh kind of right there at the bottom of the page i mean and there's even it's hidden it's obscured by the logo of the issue title which is simply the nightman but there might be a gargoyle there even if he was in this costume and you flip these pages, it's almost like a flip book. Seeing him ready, leaping, ready, leaping as you're flipping back and forth. Ready, leaping, ready, leaping. But it's not the same variation of this man. The man on the cover, he has a, a gray bodysuit, basically. He has blue boots and blue knee pads and elbow pads and shoulder pads and and a cape and two different sized eyes both of them are red because they allow uh, for some infrared vision uh, one of them is a smaller slit and the other one is wide and round he has this free hair as i said it's billowing in the wind man i mean you cover up his face and you got a plate of spaghetti that's it's just flowing all over the place though and he has a mask that allows his nose and his mouth to be free and like i said his hair it's free. I think he uses a lot of product to just make it soft and make it gentle and, and flow free. But enough about his hair. The splash page guy, he's in a basically a black bodysuit. He's got red goggles, but it's, they're just red goggles with the infrared color to them. He has rope on a belt. He has a belt, and he's he's jumping through the air. He's leaping through the air. And we see that he's actually, as we're, we're, we're reading through the story, he's, he's jumping down towards these guys who are breaking into a building through a skylight, stealing TVs and stuff like that. And as he's falling through the air toward them, his internal monologue says, time enough. And time enough to get slammed by a cable car, to die, to live. What he's saying is, it's time enough for a flashback. But not the flashback that I'm expecting as I'm reading this again uh, and forgetting, you know, how it was, this was all presented. All that stuff that happened in The Strangers, it is shown in three panels, three small panels. One of them is completely black. One of them, one of them shows the cable car almost hitting his his car. It shows his face screaming and there's a shard of metal and there's an entirely black panel and then there's a panel where you have the strangers looking down at him so it says time enough to get slammed by a cable car to die to live to walk the streets again a free man all the stuff that happened in the strangers six words and three panels <laughs> i guess not six i'm exaggerating slightly but one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven words and three of them are the word two, okay? What he said, you know, we're, we're getting to a flashback now, but it's not a flashback to how he got his powers. Those are those three panels. And the story itself, as far as flashback goes, shows how what happens after he woke up. Uh, Johnny checks out of the hospital. He should be dead. They're talking about that. But um, they, they, they don't even mention this whole jumpstart thing. And even in the narration, there's no mention of the jumpstart bolt with the strangers um 
And he walks away until he hears a voice that says, Saturday night, she dies slowly, screaming. And to him, it sounds like someone's yelling this, but no one else hears it. And he realizes that he's hearing a man's thoughts. And he follows this man and wonders why he can't hear anyone else's thoughts. And he actually, in, the, in his internal narration, it's maybe only something that awful has that much power. And we'll talk about how this power works later. There, he tries telling the police, but, you know, come on. <laughs> he thinks he's uh, done his duty now and, and he can walk away from it, but then he just can't because he knows the police aren't going to do anything. He honestly didn't expect them to. He just wanted to do what he could and, and get out of the situation. So he follows the man to a beachside restaurant. The beach is closed because of a shark sighting. And he goes and he kind of listens. The man is out on a deck and he can hear the man's name. The man's name is Mr. Omar. And he has come for lunch there every day for a while because he's been getting to know a waitress named Ginger. She's a pretty blonde woman and... Obviously, this is the woman he's thinking of when he says, Tonight, or Saturday night, she dies, slowly screaming. Now, Johnny, he's not good at the whole, you know, superhero ninja type stuff. And he steps on a branch. Omar hears it and jumps off the deck and, and goes after Johnny. Johnny gets in a taxi, runs away. Now, before he actually gets in the cab, he hits his head on a branch. And, and then he kind of stumbles and gets in the cab and leaves with Omar left behind, standing there watching the cab speed away. Back home, Johnny has time to think. I mean, he's got time for flashback and time to actually flashback to him thinking. Here's what he thinks about. First, hitting his head was a good thing. Because it means the metal in his head isn't going to shift and kill him. Now, this isn't exactly the scientific method. But maybe it's the comic book scientific method, you know? Here's a quick public service announcement. If you have a head injury and something has been lodged into your brain and you happen to bump your head once and you were okay, do not take that as license to go around doing some sort of ninja gymnastics fighting crime thinking that because you survived that one little bonk, you're not going to have any more problems. Always remember, safety first, especially if you have a piece of metal lodged in your brain. Thank you. B. That guy who was planning the murder, he just ran away from him. And then he starts second-guessing, what if this guy really isn't planning a murder and Johnny's just stalking an innocent man? But, see, he's just a jazz player, right? What could he do about it anyway? Quote, this is America in the 90s. What's one more murder? So he's second-guessing himself and his abilities. He's second-guessing, did this guy even see him? Is this guy even after him? But then we get to D. Blue. No, not the color. The sound effects. B-L-L or B-L-O-O. His window shatters with an earth-shattering boom. Someone has shot at him. And that means, quote, I'm not crazy. Again, not exactly the scientific method. But I guess you can, you know, connect the dots here. He thinks someone's a murderer. He follows that said murderer. And then someone shoots out his window. Could be a random drive-by, but honestly, it probably is the bad guy. And this is a comic book. And so coming out of the flashback, he lands on the roof. 
I'm going to call that Act 1. And I'm going to stop here for a second so we can do a little bit of analysis and then get back into the story. First, the splash page costume. Internal dialogue here says, I'm not who I was anymore. I'm not who I'm going to be. I am the Nightman. And that is a perfect thesis statement for this, honestly, not just for this issue, for this entire comic book series. And he is not who he's going to be. He's not the Nightman. At least he's not the Nightman as depicted on the cover. And this series is all about changing. It's all about adjusting to be able to move forward and to take on what comes at you. And this will be seen in the upcoming pages of this issue. And it'll be seen in the upcoming issues. But it starts here with it. This issue starts with it. I love that idea of just Steve Englehart knowing if not the specifics of where he's going, the idea of what he wants to do here. Second, the first use of his powers, hearing evil. That is his one superpower. Now we're going to find out in issue two that he also has some issues with sleeping. And this metal shard has done these things to cause him to become the nightman. You know, he can't sleep, but he doesn't need to. His eyes are permanently dilated which means he can see better in the dark, but then he also wears the infrared lenses. And during the day, he has to wear sunglasses all the time. But as far as his actual ultra power, not having to sleep while useful in college isn't necessarily a superpower. For him, it's hearing evil thoughts. And as far as that goes in this issue, it's pretty much par for the course for an origin of a hero who gets accidental powers. You know, I'm talking about your Spider-Man who gets bit by a, a radioactive spider. And then later on the spider, the powers manifest and he jumps out of the way real quick, you know, as a car comes or whatever. And that it's a trope. If you have an accidental power and you don't know it, you know, if you're not actively going after it, you know, Steve Rogers didn't accidentally discover he was super strong because that was the full intention of what happened to him. For Nightman, he, it was an accident. He didn't know it was happening. And so he's surprised by the powers. He panics because of the powers. He's confused by the powers. And really, when you take a trope like this, you can't avoid the fact that there is certain cliched ideas. The question is not, is it a cliché? So much has been done. There's nothing new under the sun. The only thing that makes it new under the sun is what you do with it. The difference is what are the powers? How does that person react? And who is the person who has the powers? So problem number one, who is this guy? That's, uh, you know, as far as this issue of, of the Nightman goes, so far in his story, you get that he's a jazz musician and he feels a strong sense of obligation to help people. And these are really the only two things we know about him so far. But, you know, you, you put that in and I, I, I just, I, I do wish we did know more about who he was before the accident. But there's a reason for why we don't, I think. And it's a valid reason. We'll get to it. But this is something that, that isn't a weakness but it is something I wish there was more of. I wish we could have seen more of, okay, who was this guy when he was a jazz musician? Was he arrogant 
or was he laid back? You know, we, we just don't really get to know the guy before he gets the powers. So we don't get to see very much how his powers change him. And so while we do get to know some of the details of his backstory, we don't see what do the powers do you know, with the responsibility. Like Peter Parker, the powers change him because he didn't act responsibly with his powers. And then now he feels obligated to be responsible because of what happened to his uncle. And with the nightman, we don't get that. We, we don't get that impression, but there's a reason for that. Well, I think, I think third page seven, this page of this comic book. So much is happening here. Uh, there's a sign on the beach that says beach closed. And the, the beach is closed because there's a shark that's been sighted. Then you have in that same panel, you have Omar interacting with ginger with a sign about a shark in the panel. And then Omar makes a date with ginger. And this page has ramifications that go far beyond this story. Although they do, uh, ramify (laughs) within the story as well. Uh, this, this page is, is uh, just one of those great pages that shows you what you can do with comic books and shows you how you can tell stories with comic books that you couldn't necessarily in other mediums or couldn't do as well in other mediums. So those are those are the kind of the impressions that I got from, from Act 1. Back to Act 2. So we go back to the rooftop and to the fight. Now, it's Friday. And you remember the voice said Saturday she dies screaming. So this is Friday. Nightman is preparing and getting ready to learn what he can do to stop tomorrow's murder. Two thugs are involved and they both attack and he fights back. It's a brutal fight. But as he says, again, quote, one plus for the nineties, we've all had time at the dojo and man, I cannot shake the nineties as I'm reading this comic. This made me just want to get out my Sega and and start playing Sonic. That's how much I just felt like transported back to the nineties. But, um, the brutal fight, he makes some mistakes, but when one of the thugs pulls a gun and is thinking about, I'm going to shoot this guy, he hears that, knows it's going to happen, and he shoots first. Yes, this Batman carries a gun. He doesn't use it often, but he has it because he doesn't have ultra powers except for that, that sensing evil. So he's able to shoot the, the uh, thug before the thug is able to shoot him. Now, when it comes to just the thugs reacting he can't feel that because that's a, just a natural impulse. It just happens. Bam. And they react. But as far as forethought and planning, he totally, totally hears that. Here's the other thing about the sequence. Then as he fights, he transforms, he falls off a building. Uh, actually he jumps off a building with the rope and the rope isn't anchored properly. <laughs> it's just a really, really poor planning on his part. And the fall causes his mask to get ripped in front of his mouth and reveals part of his face. Also lets his hair flow free. One of the infrared lenses, because they're so big and round, one of them gets broken. And he also gets hit with a metal bar on his arm, which uh, his arm goes numb because there's no protection there. He wins the fight, and then he runs away as the cops come. He wins, but it is a tough, hard fight. And it's really, it's against two guys who, they're just thugs, man. I mean, they have street experience, but they are not trained warriors. You know, he's had time in the dojo, and he has a hard time with them, simply because he's not prepared. 
So Saturday goes to eat at the restaurant where Ginger is. And this is, again, part of his plan of attack here is to stop Ginger from going out with that man. Ginger knows him. She has all his CDs or six of his CDs or something like that. They talk and he mentioned the project that he's working on. Now we know what the project is. Uh, she doesn't. And so she asks if it's jazz and here comes the line. We're going to hear it again and again. She says, is it jazz? And he says, no, it's not a jazz project. And then again, maybe it is. They're both free form improv in the dark. He tries to ask her out, tries to get her to break that date with Omar, but no, not going to happen. And then there's a woman staring at him. And just so we remember, after she's staring at him, just focused on him to the point where he notices it. She doesn't say a word, but he notices that she's staring at him even as he's talking with Ginger. And then we see that sign again. Beach closed. Shark sighted. Saturday afternoon, Johnny buys a bike. <laughs> he visits his dad, who works security at Playland at the beach, which has been closed down for decades, and it's where Johnny grew up. And we do get some of the backstory there. Johnny's mother died when he was young. His father is not Domino, but Domingo. Johnny Domino is a stage name that Johnny took. And uh, Johnny Domin or Eddie Domingo was in Nam, and he saw what training did for people in Nam. So he had Johnny doing uh, Aikido when he was five years old. So that whole '90s dojo thing—it's not just him as an adult, you know, just hitting the gym and doing you know martial arts because it's the thing to do. He's done this for a while then they have a good relationship and th they both bristle when russell peters enters and russell peter comes in with a quote evil landlord subplot now he's not the landlord of this place he's actually wanting to buy the place and turn it into part of his um, west coast estate um but they have a little back and forth johnny eddie and and russell peters as he leaves we get one of those uh, word balloons with two tails where both Eddie and Johnny say call him Scuzzwipe, which is their word, Scuzzwipe. Eddie goes off to walk the rounds at Playland at, uh, at the beach, and Johnny reveals to us his real reasons for being there. Now, he, he does visit his dad, and he does talk to his dad, and they have a good relationship. But his particular reason for visiting that particular night is to get access codes to the state police net to check Victor Omar. Saturday night, Johnny is checking in and, and, and using those codes to get in on his home computer. And he sees that Victor Omar has been listed as a missing person. And that's all he can really find about this person. So Johnny goes out ready. And we have this basically a half page, no, maybe two thirds page image of him with the pads with the well i'm just gonna go ahead and read the uh the caption the caption uh of his internal dialogue it says <clears throat> saturday night she dies slowly screaming not if i can help it i learned a lot last night open cowl so i can breathe better and stay cooler two kinds of infrared lenses the normal kind made smaller so it can't break so easily and a new variable telephoto made of high temper plastic pads I'm ready. And ready he is. 
So that's act two. And we're going to stop there and, and do some analysis here. Johnny's getting ready from buying the motorcycle. And I don't know if this is because he's independently wealthy or if it actually is partly because he's getting a, a, a large settlement from the city, it seems, because of the accident. In fact, it's something that, that Eddie brings up and says he doesn't want Johnny to be getting lazy because of this money. Now, Playland at the Beach is an important place for this series. And mostly because that's Dad's job and that's where Dad spends a lot of his time. Dad is a super important part of the supporting cast. But also, this is a place where Johnny... His dad once was on the police force, but now, you know, his dad works there. But they've spent so much time there, playing at the, at the beach. They spent so much time as father and son, visiting, going on the rides, and it just became a home away from home, especially when Johnny's dad has a job there. So the playland is an important place. Dad is a super important supporting cast member. And at this point, really the only supporting cast in in the book. Now, this is only issue one. And so you have a lot to do here. Origin story. It needs to be an interesting story beyond just being an origin story. Um, introducing characters is difficult, and it's not a team book. And I actually appreciate the way this goes. Like I said before, I wish there'd be a little bit more about who he was before the accident, beyond just these minor details but at the same time like i said i think there's a good reason for doing it now that brings us into act three johnny's first mission ginger comes out the employee entrance at the back of the restaurant it's nighttime she's apparently going to go out on her date with victor omar and johnny he makes himself known to her he comes to her tells her she's in danger and then he senses evil and it's coming from her And it's saying, you're the one in danger. It's Ginger's face. And it's creepy looking. It has this creepy looking vibe. And it looks like something out of a horror movie or something out of some sort of weird, fantastic, you know, Joker-like thing. But then you get to the next page. And some of this is ruined by some of the page turns here because you don't turn the page. It's just you shift your eyes over. So you might have already noticed this because it's pretty prominent on the next page dude looks like a lady this is a man in ginger's clothes and with ginger's face and then he says ginger's not coming i'm death mask and ginger attacks and knocks johnny over a small cliff in the beach he lands next to a body a body without a face it's ginger's body and next to it a face without a a body, Victor Omar's face. He hears a boat leaving a nearby dock, and Johnny runs, steals someone else's boat, chases down Death Mask, rams into his boat, jumps onto the boat. They fight, and you know, uh, Death Mask says, Faces are just meat, we hang over our minds. And Death Mask has now taken Ginger's face off to reveal uh, a, a supervillain mask. And he says, I am every man, any woman. I am whoever my face says I am. They struggle. Johnny's pads work. Uh, final stab uh, from Death Mask. Johnny actually takes Death Mask's other arm and uses it as a shield. And so Death Mask stabs into his own arm. He jumps out of the boat. 
to go after Johnny's boat because Johnny's boat, after they hit, it kept going because it was faster. But there's a shark in the water and Death Mask goes down. And Johnny notes that he sensed no evil in the shark. And now we're on page 28. And this is nice. Uh, we get a 28-page story here in this first issue. We're on page 28 and we get some more internal dialogue. Johnny stands on the boat that Death Mask had. And he is resolute. And he says, I was right about the evil in Death Mask. Something hit the cable car and made other people ultras. Then the cable car hit me. It gave me one ultra power, hearing evil. What I do with that is up to me. And beyond that one power, I'm just a man. The Nightman. And right now I'm a man who needs to get warm. I better add something to this costume to wrap up in. Maybe a cape. We get our final panel. A hand comes out of the water holding a knife. So I just want to say one of the things that appealed to me about this issue is the artwork and like that panel where he's jumping from one boat to the other. It's dynamic and it's, um, you know, just you see the determination on Johnny's face, even, you know, especially wearing that new mask where you can see his his mouth and his nose and the hair, you know, flowing behind him. And you have rain coming down. Uh, the fight is short, but there's there's these two just brief and brutal fights. And I... It, you feel the fight, you know, and and that that comes down to the artwork. But there's also some thematic stuff going on here. And this issue of this comic made me a fan of Steve Englehart and made me want to seek out other things that he had done, like Strangers eventually, and also his Batman work. But he, my goodness, man, the themes here are really nice, okay? So, um, you know, half my lifetime ago, is when I read this originally. And back then, it connected with me. And now, it connects with me. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this, and I'm just about to turn 40 years old. And I'm still amazed that 40-year-old me and you know, 20, or 19 or 20-year-old me, just we both have connection to this material. But it's not the same one. It's slightly different. The ideas of evil and identity... Are, are two ideas that really shine through here, especially when you know Death Mask kind of hangs a lampshade on it and says, "Faces are the meat you hang over your mind." What a great line, and what a great expression of a, a worldview, you know, of that completely naturalistic worldview, but also that naturalistic worldview that's tinged with just this weird, evil selfishness. And, you know, I'm going to take people's faces so I can, you know, be who I choose to be. And, you know, we're, this idea then is also, this is kind of a science fiction idea too. Uh, you're exploring it here in the, in, the, in the terms of a crime story and a gory crime story. When you see Ginger's face, it is, I mean, when you see Ginger without a face, I should say, it's gory. It is gross. But the, you know, for young me, the grimness and the grittiness of this book, uh, that that struck a chord with me. This is a mature um, superhero story in that it actually is working with these themes. 
of, in this case, this, this theme of naturalism and this idea of you are who you make yourself be. And then there's the idea of evil. Johnny can hear evil thoughts. Uh, now, is that just because evil thoughts tend to be strong thoughts? Or is that because the person who has the evil thought thinks it's an evil thought? Is evil even something more than just a label? We put a label on these things and say those things are evil. But is that just an arbitrary label on something that another culture would say is perfectly acceptable? Or is it something that the person involved has been trained to believe this is right, this is wrong, when you choose evil, you know, the evil thought shines through because you're choosing it? Uh, what makes it something that the nightman can, can sense? Is it an actual thing? Is it an actual supernatural law? Or is it just a concept? I don't know what the story is saying yet about evil but it is definitely going to say something and that was interesting to me it was interesting to 20 year old me and it's interesting to me now because of these questions that this story is asking i appreciate this book because that's what i appreciate in any kind of storytelling it's a story that goes beyond just Here's an exciting story, but a story that actually tries to explore ideas and engage the reader and get them to explore these ideas. And I like stories that cause me to ask questions and to ask questions not just about the world, quote unquote, but to ask questions about myself. And so there's some interesting things here and there's some interesting ideas that are being scratched at now, obviously it's doing it from this kind of pop culture, pulp culture uh, point of view. I mean, it's comic books. Stories can't go too deep when they're just confined to 22 or 28 pages. But the Nightman comic book, you know, it lasts a few dozen issues. And those issues do explore some of these ideas more. And I like that and I appreciate that about this comic book. Now... That's not to say this is perfect. As I said, I do have one small issue with this, that being, you know, who was he before? But here's my theory about that. This is a comic book that is literally about an origin, literally goes back to a beginning and a starting point, and also has the main character waking up in a hospital and walking out with a new life. And I think that this is an intentional thing on the part of Steve Englehart. The Nightman starts out with Johnny Domino walking out of the hospital to start a new life with an ultra power. It's a rebirth. Where did your life start? More than likely, more than likely, your life started in a hospital. You woke up in a hospital. Your parents left the hospital with you in their arms to start your life. Johnny wakes up in a hospital. He is born again. This is a new birth and he is a new person. And this story, the Nightman story, is not about Johnny Domino before the accident. It is about Johnny Domino from that accident on. And so while I would like to know what kind of man was he 
before the accident. And I'll be honest, I've peeked ahead and I haven't seen that much exploration about who he was before the accident, other than him and his dad talking about good times that they had in certain places at certain times. Because this is about a moment that created a new person. It is a defining moment in his life and caused his life to go in a completely different direction than it was already going in. And so I call it a problem. That's the wrong word when I say it's a problem that this we don't know who he was. The other interesting thing is that we do have this big primary theme of identity in this issue. And this is all about him building and creating his identity as the Nightman. And it should be noted that part of him creating his identity is putting on a mask. At the beginning, he says, I'm not who I was. I'm not who I'm going to be. At the end, he says, I'm just a man, the Nightman. He has his name. He knows what he is. He knows he has a obligation to follow up on these thoughts in his head. So that's uh, that's this issue. And man, I, I really feel like you know this episode is going longer than it normally will go. But even though I had other things and and more things to talk about, like talking about my Ultraverse origin, so to speak, this book had so much meat to it. So uh, I hope that if you have not read The Nightman, um, based on what we've talked about, I hope that this is, has caused you to say, hey, there's some interesting stuff here. I'm going to pick that up. Unfortunately, obviously, the Ultraverse is dead. And Marvel is not interested in revisiting it, reprinting it, or rebooting it, or jumpstarting it again. I'm okay with that, honestly. Uh, the only thing that I find, you know, a little bit of a problem is that means you are at the whim of Mile High Comics or MyComicShop.com or eBay, really, or back issue bins in your local comic shop to be able to find these. Finding these comics means you're actually going to have to search them out. And it's not just as simple as Amazon, get the graphic novel, or Comixology. So, um... Yes, there is a little bit of work involved in picking up this, these books, but The Nightman is a great place to start with the Ultraverse, and there's some great series beyond The, the Nightman that other people are going to be talking about. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to take a break here, and, you know, I talked about the ads and how it was just straight-up 90s, man, in this comic book. One thing, unfortunately, is, you know, the Ultraverse never had their own hostess Twinkie ads. Boy, I wonder... What would it be like? A nightman in a new task for Death Mask. Mm. Who knows what evil lurks within the hearts of men? Me, Nightman. For I am the terror that. F tonight. It happens tonight. What's that? It can only be one person. Death Mask. I recognize those evil thoughts anywhere. I will take another face. And wear it as my own. I better stop him before he harms another person by robbing them of their face and taking their identity until the next victim. There can be no more victims. Wait. I have an idea. Hey, Death Mask! Oh no, the Nightman! Yeah, that's my name. Now, instead of taking someone's face, why don't you stuff your own face with these? What? 
Hostess cupcakes? They're... They're so chocolatey. Mmm. Mmm, yum, 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 yum. And gotcha. All rats. Oh, well, I didn't get a new face, but that's okay. Yeah, Death Mask. I don't need to read your evil thoughts to know what you're thinking. That's right. Yum. I'm going to peel off the chocolatey frosting first, and then I'm going to wear it on my face. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Cupcakes. And we're back. And maybe it's better that there wasn't any Hostess Twinkie ads in the 90s for the Ultraverse. Or maybe there's more where that came from. Meanwhile, uh, let's open up the mailbag. There is no new mail today. Mainly because uh, no one even knows about this podcast as of the time of this recording. And that's okay. But if you would like to contact me here at the Nightman Podcast, it is very simple. All you have to do is send an email to ultraversenetwork at gmail.com. That's ultraversenetwork at gmail.com. Very easy, very simple. You can also follow us on Twitter where we are ultraversenet. And you can uh, go to Facebook. We have a Facebook page that we are a part of as fans and as members of the community. It's not our Facebook page, but there is an Ultraverse Facebook page that has uh, right now about 250 members. It's a great community just to get together and talk about these comics. This, well, not just the comics, the action figures, the trading cards, the cartoons, the TV show. Yes, the Nightman TV show that lasted for two full seasons. It is very, very simple to find us and to, to talk to us. Uh, but the best way and the easiest way is ultraversenetwork at gmail.com. Now, let's take one quick look at what else was uh, out there as far as the Ultraverse goes in October of 93. Actually, let me backtrack just a little bit. They, they did stagger the releases. June of 93 saw the release of three issues, Hardcase, Prime, and Strangers number one. Then July of 93, you had Freaks, Mantra, both have their issue number ones come out, and then um, Hardcase Prime Strangers number two. August 93, Exiles and Prototype number one comes out. September 93, Firearm, Solution, both have an issue number one. When you get to October nine, 1993, you have now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven titles in the Ultraverse. You had Strangers number five, you had Solution number two, you had Sludge number one with Steve Gerber, Sludge Monster. I'm just saying, I'm probably going to be revisiting that title. Prototype number three, you had Prime number five. You can you can see the Ultraverse just expanding and exploding. But we are now done with October of 1993. We're done with uh, Nightman issue number one. I'd love to hear your thoughts about Nightman issue number one or future episodes uh, or issues of the Nightman. For now, though, I want to thank you for listening and... I just want to remind you that this is not the only podcast in the network, and we are coming out weekly with content for you. Uh, next week will be another podcast with Shag and David. They'll be talking about the next round of issue ones that, that uh, came out, I think, in the first six months. But that's going to include um, Nightman. And then there will be a, a, a solitaire-centric podcast coming out i'm not sure if it's going to be an index podcast or what it's called wrath of aladdin which means that they actually just based on the title once they're done with 
with uh, Solitaire. There's plenty of different directions that that podcast can go in. And as far as this podcast is concerned, there's a, I mean, it's going to be structured as a Nightman uh, index show. However, every once in a while, I might come up with a bonus episode talking about another another um, title that I like, especially like Sludge. I, I really see myself doing something with Sludge. Uh, I really enjoy that title. Who knows what's going to happen? Because let's be honest. And, and here is my my word of wisdom to you, the listener, especially if you're considering doing some sort of podcast. Podcasting, crime fighting, jazz, they're all just freeform improv in the dark. On the next episode of the Nightman Podcast, Mangled, Nightman gets a new artist and a new enemy, or two, and we explore the Nightman's valiant connections to crime fighting and jazz. <laughs>